Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Huzaifa, as always. Today, this episode is a very special episode because I have a gentleman on today that is a prolific YouTube video creator, but in the realm of mathematics. So he is one of the biggest educators on YouTube he is one of the main hosts on a really re- the coolest math channel that's on YouTube, which is called Number File. And I've seen him give all sorts of really fascinating presentations. One of my favorite presentations is about the number E, which hopefully we'll talk about as well today. He's also got his own YouTube channel called Singing Banana. But more than that, he's also he is a PhD in mathematics. And he's extremely passionate about communicating the importance of math. He loves statistics. He's he's all around a big advocate for mathematics and the study of mathematics. So without further ado, I would like to introduce James Grime. James, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining. And we're in different time zones. You are in the UK right now. So we've made it yes. work and I'm super excited. So first, <laughs> James, I've, I've read about your background. I've seen interviews of your background. But why don't you tell people a little bit about how you got interested in math, but more importantly, how watching educational programs, video programs got you interested in math and wanting to communicate math? To the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So um, I don't come from a, an academic family. Um, so I didn't have that exposure to maths and an academic world. But uh, I used to watch children's TV. And at least in the UK on children's TV, they make science programs for children. And so I used to watch those. And that's where I saw that this is a job, this is a thing that you can do, which is something I filed away in the back of my mind, but I would never have had that exposure uh, if it wasn't for those kinds of programs. And what are some of the notable programs that you remember growing up and watching? Yeah, we, we had, uh, well, one of my favorite presenters was a guy called Johnny Ball. Uh, he was he would do present maths and science programs. He was very enthusiastic about maths and science. He wanted to tell you about it. And uh, there were other programs like the Royal Institution uh, Christmas Lectures. Uh, so in the UK, uh, the Royal Institution Christmas Lectures is something that goes back to I think it's 1825 or something. It goes back to Michael Faraday, and uh, he used to give uh, lectures during Christmas week uh, for children. And so that's a tradition that's been running since 1825. And it's it's on television now in the UK. Uh, so, again, it's just something where I was exposed to an idea I wouldn't have been exposed to before. And what inspired you after that as you went along in your educational path? What inspired you to then go out and pursue a PhD in mathematics? 
Well, uh, uh, the real answer is, to begin with, I was a little bit lazy. Uh, so as a school kid, I was good at maths. Uh, it was something that I understood. I followed it along. I, was, I wasn't having any trouble in maths. So when I just wanted to choose something for university, I did pick the lazy option. I went, oh, I could do maths. You know, there's no essays to write. There's no books to read. Fantastic. Perfect. So that was the subject for me. It was at, mat- it was at university where I realized that maths was far more interesting than it is at school. And I apologize for school teachers, uh, but the maths at university, I found far more interesting because we got to do proofs. Uh, and for me, proofs is, is what maths is really all about. So now let's talk about, I, I want to zoom back really quickly before we dive into proofs, because mm. eventually I want to circle back and I want to address what is it that mathematicians actually do? It's because I think a lot of times kids imagine it's just sitting in a room and doing more algebra problems over and over, solving for X or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And, 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 and I doing want to talk- very big sums. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, want, I definitely want to talk about uh, about that. But what one of the biggest questions I get, because I work as a teacher and as a private tutor, and of course, I think even any parent knows that the biggest question you get when it comes to math or any subject that initially doesn't spark a great deal of interest is why. Why do I need to learn this? Why is this good for me? Why is this beneficial for society? If you get that general question posed to you, what what's your first response or what's your first set of responses? Yeah, yeah there's a, a couple of responses to that. I mean, I think... I think the traditional response is uh, that we're we're not just teaching you Pythagoras' theorem. That's not really what we're doing. We're we're teaching you uh, thinking skills, uh, how to take in information, analyze that information, and produce uh, logical results. Uh, so it comes down to you know you can be planning a wedding and you have to decide who sits next to who, and cousin John hates Auntie Margaret, and you, you have to you know make your seating plan, something like that is mathematical thinking. So we're just training people into that sort of logical thinking. Uh, The other reason I believe as well is school isn't personal tuition. And that's what I think children don't understand is we don't know who's going to be the scientist, who's going to be the engineer and who's not going to be any of those things. Uh, We have to give you a broad education we have to expose you to these all these ideas because we don't know who's going to do what now as you're trying to expose kids to different things and you're trying to mm. awaken interest in let's say math english etc why do you think it's important because you have a channel and you're on number file two channels devoted to making math in at least from my standpoint it's super interesting engaging fun what why do you feel like or how do, how do you feel that when you create these interesting videos that that's so much more impactful and how does it make a connection? Well, um, I never had any great plan. Um, all I'm trying to do is lead by example. Uh, that's it. That's all I'm doing. Um, when I make these videos, how can I expect someone to be interested in something if I'm not interested or if I'm not showing that I'm interested. So I try and wear that on my sleeve. I try and keep that near the surface. I want to be excited and interested about what I'm talking about. So leading by example, I believe is uh, very powerful. 
And and not only do you show your enthusiasm, you are able. To, you always ground these mathematic concepts, and you do so because I think you have a, a deep understanding, of course, of all these concepts. But you're able to ground it in something tangible that I think makes it so much more fascinating. And I want to talk about quickly one of my favorite videos of yours, which is the video on the number E. So can you tell hmm. us a, a little bit about that video that you created for Number File? Well, that's a very interesting example that you've picked up on there because E was actually one that we took a long time to get around to. Uh, so we've done videos about pi. These are the famous mathematical constants, pi, Fibonacci sequences, golden ratio. We've done those. Uh, but E, we, we held back on because it was the more challenging one to do. It's not the obvious one to define. It's a bit of an abstract definition. So I had to think about that. I had to think about the right way of doing it. Uh, in the end, I decided to go for the historical uh, direction, which is the, the original problem that they were trying to solve when this number came along in the first place. I mean, I thought it was just perfect the way you tied it to interest rates and and you kind of slowly mm. stepped along. I thought it was it just made it was it was great. So I loved that. That explanation. Uh, I know you also have a deep interest. You've, I'm, I'm, you've mentioned in one of your videos that you initially didn't like statistics, but then you developed a deep love for statistics. What yeah. are some of the things about statistics that you find useful and fascinating? Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I was fortunate um, because I was taught statistics very well at university. Uh, as someone who's a pure mathematician, statistics is not as black and white as some areas of maths. So it can turn some mathematicians off. Uh, but statistics now I'm a great fan of. It's something that is obviously useful. It is something that every school leaver will use every day. I mean, every school leaver 16 plus should be using statistics probably every day. Uh, gambling, predicting the future, weather, all these things. When you're reading newspaper is reports and they're saying, Global warming is happening. These are the reasons why. Here's the graphs. Here's the data. The population has to be educated enough to understand what that data means if we're going to be voting about what to do next about it. They don't have to be scientists, but they are the ones who are voting in the politicians who then make decisions. So we have to have an educated population. Right. Uh, if we I, I, actually, in even in a just a fun sense, I saw another video recently by another gentleman who's often featured on Number File, and I'm and I'm blanking on his name, but I believe he's a professor. He did an entire video on the probability of monopoly and how to apply that to what are the most frequently visited spaces, what are the yes. you know what are the most what are the best sets of properties about. I thought this was so interesting, and and I think one of the coolest pieces of it was not only that you're able to make these predict make these calculations, but that the outcome the outcomes to me ended up being counterintuitive. Yeah, well, it's always nice to have a, a little surprise in there. So yeah, you you need a, a hook, something that's interesting, some little nugget. That's interesting. Uh, but also uh, a surprising result is nice. I sometimes I'm a bit wary about that because mathematicians like the counterintuitive results, the surprising results, because they are interesting. But they are the exceptions. Uh, typically, maths 
is how you expect it to work, which is why the counterintuitive ones are the fun ones. If you do too many in a row, though, I, I worry that you can give the impression that maths is not understandable, confusing. I see. Well, let's talk about math and let's talk about the study of math as a profession. What does it mean to be a mathematician? I mean, that's, that's such a general question, but what, 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 <laughs> what types of problems, you know, just walk us through the day to day of what, what that entails. Yeah, well, it can be quite frustrating. So uh, when I was a research mathematician, it would be working on a problem. First of all, you have to find a problem to work on, uh, something that hopefully is achievable, something that's based on other people's ideas. What we don't do is we don't create great new theories every day. It's very much baby steps. Uh, So we're all trying to push a little bit further forwards. So someone will publish something, uh, we'll read that, we check it's right, of course, and then we think, well, you know, what happens if I make a change and do this? And so you're just trying to make small changes. Rarely are you doing great, huge discoveries every day. Uh, It can be quite frustrating because you are staring at a blank piece of paper and you don't even know if if your work is actually going to come up with anything. Uh, So it can be very frustrating too. I mean, it almost sounds like from a business standpoint, you take a product and you improve upon it, or you add little yeah. modifications. So, so similar in that sense. But can you give an example or, or one or two examples of of problems that you came across and were like, oh, this is interesting. I want to try. And, and you added a new twist to it and then tried to solve that. Sure. Uh, so when I was when I was researching, uh, I was studying um, something called, uh, well, let's see how far I can go into this, uh, something called uh, representation theories, turning abstract maths into diagrams, essentially, because I was doing combinatoric representation theory. Diagrams are nicer than horrible formulas, so we can do maths with diagrams, uh, but we can make changes to that. So there was a method of solving a problem. I said, well, can we do that? with fewer parameters, makes it more efficient for computational reasons. So that was an example of something I was doing. Now, I know you mentioned uh, combinatorics, if I'm saying that correctly, Mm -hmm. on your website Mm -hmm. as well. And one of another video that was so cool to me, because again, it's just, that's just the way I think your mind works is you're trying to make connect, help people make connections with either the real world or popular culture. Tell us a little bit about the goodwill hunting problem. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of fun, isn't it? Uh, so, um, yeah, well, in the film Good Will Hunting, that great film about a mathematical genius, there is a, a problem put on the blackboard, which the students are failing to solve. But Good Will Hunting, as I like to call him, uh, was, you know, a janitor. He wasn't a student, but he was able to solve it on the blackboard. He was a, a surprise mathematical genius. Uh, but the problem itself isn't that difficult. It's rather a nice visual problem, which is why they chose it for the film. So you can see a nice visual uh, problem on the blackboard. Uh, it was about um, something called uh, trees. These are networks, networks of dots and lines uh, without any loops. And how many you can make that have 10, I think it was in the problem. Yes, I 10 think that's right. points. And how many can you make? How many networks can you make using 10 points that don't include loops? And I 
the answer is something like the answer is in fact i won't say the answer because i'm not sure off the top of my head it's there's about 10 of them or something uh but uh, it's a really nice uh, visual problem. It's a fun one for anyone to try out, but it's not as hard as they make out in the film. Now, I remember that that's one of the first videos I think I saw that got my t- that where I recognized what number file was and, and found found your channel and so on. I think it was temp from my recollection, too. If you could sum up the what is the what would you say is the mission statement of both number file and your channel singing banana? Oh, I th- well, I think uh, the mission statement is to inspire and to motivate uh, students. Um, me, I, when I'm doing a video, I'm picturing speaking to someone who's 17. So someone who's done school, but they haven't done university yet. So someone where I can show them what they could be doing at university, just taking them a little bit further. Uh, but uh, I'm expecting that they've done school things. But that, of course, means that, uh, you know, uh, a bright, uh, younger person can watch those videos. Uh, And I think it's fine if they don't understand everything in it, because it's just showing you that these things exist. It's putting the idea in their head. Uh, And, you know, the the general public can watch it. Uh, So if you're just uh, someone who's past university but are, you know still interested in maths want to hear some interesting maths facts i know that they watch it as well but i'm thinking of a sort of a, an older school child uh, in my head when i do these things so now broad strokes if we have parents listening or even students listening that are struggling to have to have an interest in math and are finding it an uphill battle to get their math homework done what general direction would you point them in? Of course, we've got your channel, we've got number file, great resources like that. But what would be your broad strokes advice to try and uh, be, start a change? Uh, so someone who isn't motivated in maths, is that what you mean? Isn't motivated and can't really find anything interesting in it. They may even be naturally somewhat good, good with numbers, but they don't find, right. you know, they're missing that piece. Yeah, well, certainly that's what we're trying to do with our channels. Uh, I guess there are books that you can read. If they're motivated enough to try and find out, um, there are books you can read. There are some good websites. Uh, I used to work with an organization called Enrich, uh, which have a very good website of problems for children of all ages uh, to try. Some very, you know, ones that will extend uh, your higher abilities and also uh, problems for uh, young kids as well. Uh, so there are these resources out there. Uh, can you now tell us a little bit? I know you. Ha- I believe you no longer uh, have this role, but you used to work with the Enigma Project. Is that right? Yes, can that's you- right. Well, yeah. Go. On. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the Enigma Project is something. It used to be based in the University of Cambridge, where I worked. Um, I actually now still run the project, uh, but as a independent, independently, the project is still going. And it's it's I love the project. It's about uh, the history and mathematics of code breaking, which is a great topic to talk about because it's secrets and spies and espionage. I love that stuff. Uh, so what I do is I give public talks. I visit schools. Uh, we talk about code breaking, secret messages. And uh, what I have, which is very fortunate, 
on loan to me. Uh, I have uh, an original Enigma machine from World War Two. That's the the famous German code machine. And that was, I believe, featured in, I can't remember the movie now, but there was a big movie. Or was it called Enigma? I, I'm blanking. So there's been a couple of films about Enigma, yes. Uh, there was there was Enigma, which was in, from year 2000 with Kate Winslet. And then uh, last year, I think last year, was The Imitation Game uh, with that's Benedict Cumberbatch as Alan Turing. Yes, that's the one. That's the one that I remember. And what the little I know about code breaking isn't it true that prime numbers are a big piece or maybe a piece of a certain type of, of code creation and code breaking? Yeah, that's, that is right. So uh, what we use now on the Internet uh, uses large prime numbers uh, to send uh, secret information. So you're buying something on Amazon, eBay. You're sending your credit card information on the Internet. Uh, your credit card information is sent in code. Fortunately, otherwise it'd be stolen. And that code involves a formula, and that formula involves very large prime numbers. And it's an example of something that is actually very pure maths, uh, but with one uh, with one very important application today. Can you tell us just a little bit about the process of how the prime numbers are used? I, I think I remember, but I, I think it'd be much better if you if you, if you said. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's see if I can uh, give a good explanation of that. Uh, so uh, what happens is uh, the bank, if you want to send a secret to the bank, the bank gives you two numbers, right? And it says, here are two numbers. Um, okay. I'm going to do this because I know an example. Okay. The bank gives out two numbers. Let's say it's three and 10. They give it out. That's for free. Right? Anyone can use that. It's public information. If you want to send them uh, information, you take your message, turn it into numbers, which is pretty straightforward. But then we had three and ten, so we're going to raise to the power three and divide by ten. That's it. It's two steps. It's not really a difficult thing to do. Uh, but if it doesn't divide by ten perfectly, you'll have a remainder. Uh, remainders you may remember from when you were very little when things don't divide exactly you get something left over and that's the code now to decode that you need to know how those numbers three and ten were devised and those were devised using prime numbers now if you can work out the prime numbers you can work out the decode numbers uh, now that's very difficult to do when you're using very large prime numbers. So that's the bank's secret. The bank knows what the prime numbers are. It doesn't tell anyone else what the original prime numbers are. So you can give out two numbers publicly, but the primes are secret and they're needed for decoding. And the bigger and bigger these primes get, the more difficult it is to, to break the code and essentially get the message. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the numbers, I, I gave those numbers three and 10, 10, was actually made from multiplying the two primes together. It was two times five, two prime numbers. But it's very easy to work out the prime numbers if I give you 10. I said that was public information. So you can work out, oh, it's two times five. That's bad news because you've worked out the primes. That's bad. Uh, but the larger these numbers are, it's very easy to multiply them to make the key. But it's very hard to then take the key and factorize and get the original primes back. 
And what's the what's the biggest prime? Not the biggest. I, I know the the biggest prime. I think known is it's some huge huge number. I've looked it up <laughs> <Yes>. before. <laughs> but what's an example of a a large prime number? Maybe in the four digits or five digits, if you have one off the top of your head. Oh, a large prime number off the top of my head. Um, uh, ooh, I couldn't tell you a large prime number off the top of I my put head. You, I put you on the spot. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I withdraw the question. I do remember you did make a really cool video about anti-primes, a pretty big anti-prime, which is super fascinating. There's- Anti-primes, is, that's not a thing. That's oh. not a word. That was Brady's word. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, that's, that was what happened in the video. We had this conversation about um, these types of numbers, which are very much not like a prime. And uh, Brady, who films the videos, does like inventing words. Uh, so that was his invention. You call but it I, I don't a, a, lar- a large compo- a composite number with a, a multitude of factors, right? And then I remember yeah, he threw highest, out the word. Okay. Yeah, highest common factors. Um, I, I'll give you a large prime number because uh, on my desk here is a prime number generating machine. Uh, so it's currently on uh, 225,601. That's my prime number generating machine. If I press the number again, it will generate the next prime. And it's now 225,611. There you go. You're welcome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, James, first of all, I have to, once again, this has been uh, such an honor for me and I'm a huge fan. So this has been great. If people want to reach out to you, check out your website, check out your work, where do they go? How do they do that? Yeah. So the website is jamesgrime.com. You can see details of things that I do and my videos as well. And, uh, uh, you can contact me, find me. Twitter is a good place for that. Uh, and that's just at James Grime. I keep these things simple. Awesome. All right. So once again, James, thank you so much for joining. Guys, if you got, were listening to this episode, seriously, you should go check out everything that James is creating on both Singing Banana and Number File because you will be blown away as an adult, as a child, as a student. It doesn't matter. It's super fascinating stuff. Whether you're like me, who's passionate about math or it doesn't matter. It's great. And it, it's going to be really fascinating. So make sure to check out all his information. If you didn't catch what he just said, well, it's a podcast. So go ahead and rewind. Uh, Also, you can go and check out the show notes at scalarlearning.com and make sure to check back every Monday for new episodes from the Scalar Learning Podcast. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to go to our YouTube channel and check out our videos there. Thank you guys so much for joining. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Scalar. Learning, give me that skill.